Cheers. Cheers. Podcasting from the Okanagan Valley in beautiful British Columbia, or as we love to call it, wine country of Canada. And you're listening to the Live Revolution Happy Hour because, quite frankly, no great story ever started by eating a salad. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of uh, the Alive Revolution Happy Hour, and we are in Summerland, British Columbia, looking over the most amazing vista at Dirty Laundry oh, Vineyards. My, if you could come here, actually, to see the patio, yeah. it is incredible. Like, I'm so happy here. Oh, as a person, I'm still clapping. Yeah, as a person who used to myself, used to live in Summerland, um, I've been a big fan for a long time and um, have been enjoying your wines and bringing people here uh, forever and ever. So, cheers. We should cheers. cheers. Oh, yeah. cheers. Thank you for having us. Thank you for coming. Thank you, thank you, Mason. Thank you so much. Well, I am uh, self-titled. I am the director of uh, Sales and Good Times. <laughs> so, uh, with a special emphasis on good times. <laughs> uh, so the biggest question I get when I go on the road is, why did somebody choose the name Dirty Laundry for a winery? And it goes back, and it's, it, it's, it's got a lot of Summerland history to the name. So it goes back to the 1890s when Mason was a young boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, us too. It's little wee things. Yeah, little wee things. Mm-hmm. In Summerland, uh, well, back, that's back when they were building the Canadian Pacific Railroad through BC. Right. And it was a dirty job, a dangerous job, and a lot of guys died. But there was a lot of Chinese immigrants that they brought in to do this work. Uh, and one, his name was Sam Sui, actually got out. He. Uh, which was of a dangerous job. He settled on the shores of Lake Okanagan at Summerland and opened up a Chinese laundry. Well, back in the 1890s, the, the men of Summerland, there's a lot of laborers and farmers, and but they didn't have a great need for laundry, so business was a little slow. So Sam, being the entrepreneur that he was, decided there's got to be something that these guys need, and he opened up the upstairs waiting room. I feel like I know where this is going. <laughs> yes. I have a slight, so, <laughs> slight hint of. Uh, yes, so, and the, uh, the waiting room consisted of a, a gambling den and a brothel. Aha. Uh-huh. So all of a sudden, the guys in Summerland were going around with clean clothes, and big smiles yeah. and it, it didn't take the town folk long to figure Shaving out what was going on yeah yeah so uh, they nicknamed this place the dirty laundry uh, dirty being done upstairs and laundry being done downstairs right so uh, we've taken a tongue-in-cheek uh, approach to just naming some of our wines our, our, our three diverse demeanors are called woo woo madams and threadbare yes that's kind of self-explanatory I most of the it. three I, you know what that's one of the the highlights for me is i love the labeling it yeah. really is and because yeah. Wine is fun. Wine is fun. It and should that, be fun, right? Like people that take it so seriously. I know that there is seriousness, as I know when we talked to you, Mason, about the importance of certain parts of the wine. But the marketing, the experience, yeah. that should be fun. Yes, our, our traditional la- label, as a matter of fact, and this one still has a little bit. Uh, our traditional label had the iron with steam coming out of it, and you can still see the steam. steam. Yeah. But there's the silhouettes of ladies hiding in the steam. Uh-huh. Ah, so, I do remember. I do recall and, that. And, yes. Yeah. So there's the, and the kind of sexy. Yeah. People, from you. I know you yeah. can't in a podcast, you can't see it, but we will be photographing the bottle so that you guys can all appreciate the steam. Steam label. So, a big part of us doing these podcasts with um, a number or 12 wineries across the valley and, and promoting them is to sort of talk about how has the, you know, from March 13th till just recently been for you guys. Like, what were some? Did you shut down completely? Did you bounce back to something different? We don't want to hear that story. We shut down from from a retail perspective. Shut down completely right around the first of April. Okay. Uh, it's hope. I mean, 
means I want to speak. And that one's called wine say yes. wants to speak. It says yeah. say yes. The wine, the wine is speaking. Yeah, the wine has something to say. There's a little story besides say yes to it, but I'll get to it. Okay. We shut, down, we shut down the wine shop, and well, the patio was obviously shut anyway, in the tasting room on, on April 1st. Okay. And obviously, like most other wineries, we had to pivot pretty quickly because not only did we lose our tasting room business, we also lost all our restaurant business. Yes. But we were uh, we were very fortunate because we were, we've were we done a lot of work over the past few years and making sure that we're balanced in, in our approach. So we you know we do a lot of business still with LDB, we do business with private liquor stores, grocery, wine club. So what we noticed is that obviously the, the wine shop sales died. The we went for a month and a half and did zero restaurant, but like zero, right? Which was our second largest channel. But our online business, our wine club business, and our private liquor store business went through the roof. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. I mean, I so. think at one point I might have heard I was chatting with someone at a BC liquor store. They're going, Well, you know, yes, you don't have the restaurants that they're, you know, whatever selling to you, but. The increase of, of um, boxed wine oh, consumption, yes. consumption, mm-hmm. yes, uh, yeah. went up. Yeah. And, and that's staying strong. Uh, I think we opened up our we opened up our wine shop without tasting right around second week in May. Uh, so we allowed and, and for takeout pizza, right on. which is which is also pretty amazing. You might need to try one of those before you leave. Uh, so good. I, Someone on the way in, out as we were coming in, said you have to try the pizza. So that's already, yeah. I think that's yeah. a given. We should have. I, I will make sure that there's a pizza here. Okay. But we opened. I think we opened for tasting again this first weekend in June. Mm-hmm. And we've been, as you can see around the patio, it's normally much tighter than this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's. I'm very happy to see the number of people that are. It's, yes. it's, I mean, it makes me feel good. I mean, yes. I, I people. I, I know I am. Just when I've gone out to, I've gone out twice now to restaurants, and yeah. you know, I just, I'm so happy to be back. I just, it's whatever the psyche is around it, just the a celebration of food and wine. It's just, well, and people being out, and knowing that, that when, as these patios and restaurants reopen, even at the with the COVID guidelines, it's just great to see people's businesses opening, right? Yeah. And, so. and you can tell we do take the social distancing very seriously. Yeah. Um, I've been to some places where it seems to be a little tighter than this yeah. but you know I'd rather be I'd rather you come in here and feel comfortable coming in yes. not feel like you're 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 doing something Dr. Henry doesn't think we should be doing right. uh, but still having a good time exactly so, that's important yeah. so let, amazing let's okay. talk we haven't talked to an actual <laughs> winemaker yet in any of our interviews no we haven't okay. you're yeah, our first so I want to know what, what kind of a personality does it take to be a winemaker well you have to be <laughs> thanks Paul little hands signal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you wear many podcast. hats yeah, as a winemaker. Um, and you, you talk about the COVID and social distancing. We were deemed an essential service, so we were still coming into work. But as a sellerman, as a winemaker, you are in a social distancing situation most of your normal work day anyhow you're in dark cellar and your dragon hoses are moving things around things like that so we, it didn't change much from a production standpoint 
Um, we didn't see much difference from our suppliers. We were bringing in, you know, products from China. Glass comes from China. We were bringing in, uh, you know, from other parts of Canada, some of our other products for, for packaging. And things didn't really slow down in our supply chains. And we were seeing good sales. So we were still, the demand for to still be meet on bottling needs was there. So we were just business as usual pretty much. But, you know, at many hats, we can, you know, you're in the cellar, you're doing cellar work, you're doing sensory analysis, but then you're out there doing podcasts. You're, I was on a radio program last weekend in Vancouver. You know, you do winemakers dinners, you do all these things. So you've got to be a bit of a, a media mogul and also, you know, a, a, a chemist and a, and a scientist. And I was going to say, how much like of winemaking is chemistry versus artistry? Yes, it, we want to yeah, know. Because it has this romantic, yeah. you know, oh, I make wine. You yeah, know, it depends who you talk to. It's not, do you think, is it romantic? <laughs> there's uh, no, I don't, well, yes and no. There's an art form to it and there's a bit of, you know, I will always do certain things certain ways because I like that style. But and, and there's also this scientific portion of it and, and you know, we get these we talk about, you know, all the different tools as a winemaker. Your biggest tool is a wine glass in your nose. And you're constantly tasting and smelling and evaluating the wine at multiple different stages from the time you're picking the grapes right. to when it's finished and going to bottle. So that's your biggest tool and, and that's kind of you know where my job is 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 dictating the team where we're going with all the processes and then you know I don't spend hey, you're, you're a young guy. Yeah. I don't yeah, okay, but you Let's look young that. to me. He looks young. Um just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where in your life did you go, okay, I'm going to become a winemaker, or were you, uh, that's what I want. Yeah, so I, I was living on the island, I grew up pretty much from grade 8 on in Victoria, and I worked for BC Ferries, and I was there for about, for a while, and, and I remember sitting around the lunchroom and you saw a lot of angry union facers, faces, and so I went back to UVic and I took a, I was taking general sciences and I took a job at a BC VQA wine store, and I started selling wine, and I thought, well, you know, wine's pretty cool, you know, how do I get more into the industry, and I liked wine education and things like that, so then I decided I would go to Brock University, and I got a Bachelor of Science of Oenology and Viticulture at Brock University. Where's Brock University? That's in St. Catharines, Ontario. Okay. Yeah. So, and then that, then I came back to BC as soon as I was finished uh, the four-year program there. And when did you uh, discover you had a good nose and a good glass well, for making wine? Now, is that like someone who's a natural athlete? Is no. there a natural winemaker? I think some people are better than others. But it's trained. So we, you know, and at university I worked with a, a sensory scientist, and I read a few books. And one of the things was smell everything, right? Like you're going to school on the bus in the morning, smell everything, and it's not always the best that smells. But then you get that recall of things, and 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 just having that memory recall, and and then learning faults. Like you can smell a lot in a glass of wine and pick out the different faults. And once you can do that, then the you can faults. Oh, yeah. So I know. Okay, so the wine. I can't chasing. smell any fault right. in this right now. No, there I'm just shouldn't be. Say. I'm, I'm, yeah. I might need a little bit more. More. Yeah, yeah. So right now we're drinking the, the 2018 Pinot Gris. Just a titch, as my mother would say. And this is from grapes all in Summerland. So these are all from Summerland grapes. Mm. And Pinot Gris is one of the is the most widely planted white variety in BC. And for good reason, it's delicious. Yeah, it does really well. So it can it can have you know lots of different sort of flavors and textures to it. You can add oak to it and things like that to, to make it more rounder and a bit you know of a, a fuller wine. Yeah. We don't add any oak to this wine. It's all stainless steel from we want it just to be a great expression of the fruit. So when you get your nose into this one, okay. I like to call it like an orchard in the glass. You get a bit of apples, you get a bit of pears and, mm. and, and, and peaches and things like okay, that. Okay, so our listeners are going to be so well I know. versed in this. An orchard in the yeah. glass. <laughs> so when I watched that documentary, Kassam, on these sommeliers right. who are getting their master's degrees in sommelier. Which looks very difficult. And they're going... 
okay, I'm smelling like a yeah, 1928, tires, um, you know, wherever, like, and they know the, the vintage, can you, sm- can you, I'm not, no. no, so I don't, I can't, if I'm smelling like an international wine, they can pick out, you know, a vineyard or a yes. grape variety and things like that, and no, I, I, I'd be hard pressed to, if I didn't know this wine, and I could probably pick it out as either Chardonnay or Pinot Gris, but I'm not going to be able to, you yeah. know, tell you the vintage and things like that, so what I'm looking for is, is there a problem with that wine? What would be a fault? I mean, it, well, there's yeah. lots of things, so if you, if it smells like a bruised apple, oh, then it's then it's aldehydic. So then you have to aldehydic. Oh, but write that right write that down. Yeah. Aldehydic. So that and the, and what, what a winemaker does at that point, you had to add a little sulfur to it. So sulfur oh. is an antioxidant, and by adding that sulfur, that so, that bruised apple the aromas will go away right away. I don't smell any bruised apples. No, no. So we shouldn't. And and there's other things like that. As there's lots of different. How about bruised to feelings? Wine. Do they <laughs> do they show up in a wine glass? That comes after you oh, drink yeah, it. That's like, and that's you say you drank too much wine and, and you, you dial you, someone you shouldn't dial. That's, that's right. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay. And, and so is you know, white green wine, goes great with everything. Yes, but is white wine uh, easier to make the red wine, or is it the opposite? Uh, it depends. Yes, yes, and no. Uh, red wine, you're handling it longer. So a lot of times, white wines you can ferment them. They ferment slower, but they'll be done fermentation. And once they're done fermentation, you can start cleaning them up, filtering them, stabilizing them, this and that. And they can go to bottle quite early. But a red, a red ferments fairly easy. You ferment it on the skins, and you do some punch downs and things like that. But then you've got to do the aging process. If you release a red too quickly, it can be quite tight and grippy and, and, and astringent and things like that. So most of our reds, well, all of our reds, except for uh, the Dangerous Liaison, will spend somewhere between 12 and 18 months in barrel. Mm, and that okay. time in barrel will help them soften the wine and, and, and be more approachable. Okay, so I want to know now, what is, what's the best part of owning a winery or being in the wine industry and the most challenging? Depends Best and the worst. <laughs> well, we're going to start with you. Paul? Paul? Best and the worst. Or challenging. Maybe worse is that the word, but maybe worse. What other jobs can you have and walk into a room with a bottle of wine and if nobody says, go away? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's always, it's, it's always welcoming. Um, nice. So true. I don't know that there's a worst part. Yeah, but is there challenging? What's challenging? Challenging? Okay, is it a good thing or, or is it a challenging thing that we have 200 wineries in the Okanagan Valley? I think it's a great thing that we have 200 wineries. Well, I mean, I'm just asking somebody who's making and marketing it. Uh, uh, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, there, they, there's wineries here that complement each other. You know, we, we compete, but we, we're competing against the world as much as we're competing against each other. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's very important to to have a, a, a very strong industry so that the reputation of, of all our wines are, are high. So that's that, that, that's a great thing, I guess. Like, the biggest challenge we have is, is shipping to other provinces. Yeah, now, if, you, if, you want, if you want to know our, our biggest challenge yeah. is getting the wine in the hands of other Canadians. I think we're the only com- country in the world that it's easier to import a wine from overseas than it is... To get it to Alberta. Interesting. Ontario, Quebec, Alberta. Really? So, hmm. So that, that's that's uh, you know a big uh, a big goal of the British Columbia Wine Institute is to open up the the, the channel market. so it makes it a lot easier to yeah. ship. Is it a tax thing or is it a board? Is it I know it's, is it literally a border thing or is it? It, a- it is a border thing, and it, and it and it stems back from prohibition in the 1920s, uh, and it just never went away. And you know most provinces now have very lucrative liquor boards, and they don't want 
to get a cell line yep. around them. Yep. Right. BC is very different. We sell direct to consumer here. Yeah. Ontario wineries can sell direct to consumer here. Uh, we can do it in Nova Scotia. We can do it in Saskatchewan. We can do it in Manitoba. Uh, but obviously, the biggest two markets in the country are Quebec and Ontario. Yes. So they open up. Yeah. So that, that's the biggest challenge. Great. Okay. Okay. Teach us another one. Give so, us some, some. So, want another challenge? <laughs> or, or another wine? Oh, give me a challenge. Oh, okay. So and then you can talk we're about still the on wine. the first sure. wine here, just so, so as, we're as, no, as still as drinking the Pinot Gris. As a production winemaker side What's of this things, one? the most challenging. This is White Hush. Ooh. Yeah, this is White Hush. So, the most challenging thing as, as a winemaker is, oh, is um, probably you're dependent on the weather. So, right. you know, the grapes are grown in the vineyard. Wine is made in the vineyard. So on a, on a year that, that Mother Nature doesn't cooperate or we have more forest fires, we have all these things, that's the biggest challenge is you have to react to that. But that also then makes it one of the most interesting and funnest parts of the job, too, is that you're, every vintage is different. So you're not just doing, you're not making beer out of the same ingredients every day. You have a natural product out in the vineyard that you thing. bring in and it's different every year and it makes a different wine every year and that's the funnest part of the of the job wine is interesting fermented products it, it doesn't smell like what it's made from you never really stick your nose into a glass and say well that smells like grapes, grapes. <laughs> it's always apples it's peaches it's things it's, it's everything right. else right and that is so true yeah. you never to be honest I don't even really know what a grape smells like I need to smell more yeah. things well sometimes they will if you make a wine out of Labrusco grapes they'll call it a foxy character and that's kind of a grapey character so if you had like Foxy. Yeah. <laughs> so Concord, like Manischewitz, that wine. Um, yeah, write that word down. Manischewitz. Yeah. <laughs> that that wine sometimes they'll they'll consider has a foxy character. To it. I don't know how oh. to spell it, but I I, I think I, I went with. Bitch. I want to create a foxy character. <laughs> foxy, like that's yeah. a good word. That's a good word for my 60th birthday. Uh huh. Linda turns 60 this year, so we're still trying <laughs> to figure out word. how do we celebrate. Foxy. There you go. Yeah, COVID style. We'll have, we'll have okay, foxes. so can you tell in the season? Well, I mean, I know Mother yep. Nature can do it can change tomorrow. Yep. Whether it's going well, whether it's going better from last year, or can you tell? Yeah, that? we we can sort of you can celebrate. Now we've had a lot of rain, so we've got a lot of green growth. Um, and we want to start making the vines Push. instead of growing leaves. Instead of growing leaves and, and shoots, we want to put all their energy into the berries and, and, and ripening the fruit. So that's where we need some heat and some dry weather. Um, but a lot of times in BC, the most, the most, I guess the time of the year that that is most important for grape growing is is that right around harvest, September into October. Mm. And if we can extend our fall with a nice warm. You know, cold nights but warm days and no rain through the fall. Then that sort of is no is, rain, no hail. Imagine yeah. none of that. Yeah. You know, our forest fire season has mm. been. How does that affect you guys? Well, we get less sunlight, and then you can also get what they call smoke taint. Mm-hmm. So if the forest fire is, is and the smoke is and ash is, is within proximity of your vineyard for long periods of time, at certain like periods... Like two years ago, it was terrible. Yeah, and and it, it depends on where your vineyard is and how close the smoke is and yeah. where the berries are in their developmental stage. But yeah, you can run into issues with smoke. Huh, okay. So this wine is, is our mm. one of our newest wines that we've done. It's a white blend. I've never... Yeah. And it's, it's our hush white. Hush white. We actually add a little bit of CO2, 
so we 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 we, we want to give it a little bit of a, a spritz. So it doesn't it's not sparkling wine, but there's a little bit of a spritz in your initial sip. It sort of dissipates later in the glass, and then by the end of the bottle, it's usually gone. Um, wow! But it just lifts the yeah, palate it's a little. Really good. Mm. It's definitely a breakfast wine. Just a, <laughs> yeah, we have different because we're really wine experts, as you can tell. But we uh, you know we go by like, would we have it for breakfast? Would we do we need to eat cheese with it? Do, this is like yeah, it's, it's all got day, enough residual sugar, so it's, I wouldn't you know I hate that summer sipper sort, but it, it works. You know this this has enough balance where there's enough sweetness that it can be held by itself. But then it's got enough acid that if you want to have you know salmon or, or some you know uh, halibut or something like that, it holds up to it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh wow, this is good. Do you guys like it? Oh yes. Okay, That's so. What does the average uh, winemaker, like yourself, professional, what kind of hours do you keep in a week for work? Well, as little as I can, but no. <laughs> don't tell the owners. Um, no, it, it's in this. The good thing about in the summertime, as long as you have good vineyard management, uh, a winemaker. Sometimes winemakers will do the viticulture portion and 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 the winemaking as well. So then you're busy all year round. But we have a good viticulture team and a vineyard manager who takes care of the day-to-day vineyard stuff. So it, during the summer now is is we're bottling periodically. We'll be done our last bottling next week. So then our summers up until harvest, well, most of August, we'll just be preparing, take some time off, get some rest, because come September 1st, yeah. you know, it's full on seven days a week until, until as we say, that you know, as the grapes ripen, they grapes wait for nobody. When they're ready to be picked, they're ready to be it's picked. Go, and if you miss that window, go now. then you're out see, of luck. That's your, so. See, I, I spent a lot of years of my life in Saskatchewan, and that saying there is, you know, make hay while the sun shines. Right. So yours is the grapes. Wait for no one. Yeah, make wine while the while the sun shines. I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> so it is. It's it's one of those things, and so it can come. But after you no know, sort of December, January, we start to slow down again. So you can right. hit the slopes if you're a skier or right. whatever. So it's a, it's a pretty good job. So Beth and I, in our like in our actual when we had careers before COVID, yeah, we, um, we don't have one right now. <laughs> we um, do a lot of corporate training, a lot of speaking and uh, conferences for various groups. Anyway, just so what for yourself? I want to know personally how how do you take care of yourself so you have energy to do what you do? Well, sometimes training? it's difficult, you know. And, and at the end of harvest, everybody is on their last legs, but. Uh, what we try and do as a seller team, you know, is you got to have some fun. And, and dirty laundry is all about that as well, as you know, wine is fun. So I'm not a boss that walks around kicking buckets and yelling and, you know. <laughs> Are there winemakers who oh, keep buckets? There could be a couple few, of maybe. couple of Italian yeah. chefs there, out there. Well, somewhere yeah. in the two hundred plus wineries, there might yeah. be a couple crabby pants. So we we have a good time. A lot of times you'll go into wineries and they have um, like beer fines. So when you make a mistake, then you've got to bring in a six pack of beer. So the other saying is, you know, it takes a lot of good beer to make good wine. Um, but we try and keep it fun in the cellars, you know, and lots of loud music and and right? and, and just keep it yep. you know lively. But most people that are in this industry, that's their mentality, right? They they've traveled around we bring some imports in every year from other parts in Australia New Zealand because it's office at harvest and right so it's, it's right. a good it's like a, the ski industry good yeah so you're always meeting new people and it's a, it's, it's mm. a lot of fun Okay. okay, so what's the biggest whoopsie you've ever made? It depends on... Uh, some mistakes work out for you. Yes, um, of course. You know, people have blended wines like the, Like the post-it note, that was a mistake yeah. that worked yeah. out well, so... So I don't know if I've had in a lot of mistakes. We've had a, you know, a few... 
few times when you're up to your ankles in grapes and things like that, which is, uh, is not your funnest mistake, but I don't know if I've had any really mistakes that have turned out to be... Like, really expensive? Re- no, no, we haven't had anything really expensive. You, you haven't drained any 50,000 liter tanks? No, no. <laughs> I, I, you know, you hear the stories, and I, I know people I did that hear have. That when, like, left the top on or something? Yeah. I did hear that Knocking story. valves off of tanks and things like that, but, you know, it, it's the hazards of the job. You know, one of our favorite questions to ask um, everybody we've been interviewing is because, yes, A, we're doing this because we love wine and we love conversations, but uh, what's the best? I want to hear from both you guys. Yes, this is, the, this is one of our favorite questions, actually. What's, what's your favorite wine like experience, experience you've ever had? So not necessarily, could be the bottle, could have been the whatever, but experience. When you think what about stands out? your favorite Paul, you wine drinking experience, you know. Probably working with me as Paul's. Well, working, working with Mason, <laughs> having stand behind the counter and somebody say, is this a father and son operation? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my favorite experience. Yeah. If you're at all unsure, <laughs> there's no physical way I could be his dad. Favorite wine? I, I don't know if it's, it's... Where was your best bottle of wine well, you I ever think had? My best bottle, the best tasting bottle of wine I ever had was in France. And we ended up in this cafe with the owner slash chef of the, of the restaurant who was... Your typical Frenchman. I didn't see him go into the kitchen once. He just sat at the bar and smoked cigarettes. <laughs> he didn't speak much English, and my French is terrible. And we met up with him and then a, a, a wine buyer from California. And he said, they've got a bottle of Chateau Reyes, which is a, a Syrah, of, I think it's out of the Rhone Valley in, in France. And he says, and it's a really good deal. It still wasn't a great deal. But we ended up splitting it, and it was the best wine I think I've ever had. Really? Yeah. And it may have just been the situation. And well, I think been, it's yeah. probably all of it. Yeah. Right? But it is, it's, it's, for what it's people the say, moment. It is, it's a hell of a bottle of wine if you can find it. So I think, it, and, and for me, it still leaves a, a mark. Yeah. Uh, I bet you did a lot of smelling of it before you bought well, I think we were pretty hard, well into the night, too. So yeah, and you got to sure count on your yeah. memory. Yeah. Come on, memory. Yeah. Get in there. And for you, best bottle of wine you ever had that you can remember. Yeah. Our, remember? our experience with wine. Yeah. It, it, was, it was probably on a balcony at the St. Regis Hotel in Newport Beach, See? California. So you, it's really as much of a place as, as it is, but it was a bottle of California Viognier. It's the first Viognier I'd ever had, and it, and it stuck with me, and Viognier has become one of my favorite wines. Mm-hmm. So. Spicy? Isn't the Viognier like a bit of a... Well, it's a little citrusy. Citrusy. Different than a gourd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but sterile aromatic, like a gourd. Yes. And and that's the thing too, because Viognier can be done in many different styles. Uh, Viognier in some countries they'll put it in oak and things like that, or even in BC, some people put it in oak. Um, ours is all stainless steel, but a good descriptor is is you'll get like citrus notes and and, and like an orange rind or orange blossoms and things like that. Then it usually has quite a texture to it. Mm. So with our Syrah, and we'll probably get to that eventually. Okay, wait, wait, explain when we're having this. Is the pink. The so this is this is our rosé. The rosé. So this is our hush rosé. I've had so this is many our, bottles. Yes, of I this. just literally couldn't handle it. It is our biggest selling wine. It is a full... Well, thanks to uh, Linda a, and I, really, and Michelle. Full. And you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> we're not a little winery anymore. We're not one of the big guys, but we're not a little winery. But this makes up a full one-third of our production. One-third. Wow. Yeah. And we have 24 SKUs. This makes up one-third of our production. Wow. Wow. Well, so, I know why, because well, we heard, fantastic. We, we heard a, a saying this last week that, because uh, Rosé is really 
something's pumped up with Rosé in the last couple but of years. But your Rosé right? was good even before Rosé was cool. You know what I mean? Like, you were around. Oh, yeah, that's no question. But now she, she was calling cool. it Rosé. Who was? Jody. She says, oh, you really honey men buy Rosé. They call it Rosé. Right. <laughs> well, it's amazing how many people buy it. Like, it, it, we've seen the sales increase. Oh. What do we 500% have? since 2012. Yeah. 500%? Yes. We, we, this wine, when Mason and I arrived within a year of each other, yeah. uh, and the, the last vintage before Mason, I think we had sold 2,500 cases. This year we'll sell 13,000 cases. Wow. So well, although the rosé market has you know, vastly yes. improved, yeah. uh, ours has far pace what the average yes. is. And wow. I, I think Here's to Rose. We, he, he, you know what, as, as much as it hurts us and pains us to say this, we have a great winemaker. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I just... There wasn't there, even there, an elbow uh, in his ribs for that uh, one. However, yeah. however, there... Mason, you know, you, do you not about, stop making this one. You, yeah. you, you, you talk about winemakers, though, and the uh, thing is they're very similar to chefs. Right. Again, there's cool ones, yeah. and then there's... Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. He's, he, Oh, I he's a cool one. Yeah. Mason is. Uh, and, and then we, that's oh, on, I, I was that's just, on the record, Mason. So we talked so are about. Are you more analytical? Are you a thinker? You seem like a thinker too. Yes, yeah. I would think so. And and what I did though is is, you know, we talked about COVID and how one of the things I'm going to miss is I'm missing international travel. So I, you know, I tried mm-hmm. getting away with my wife. We'd go somewhere, and I learned so many things. And when I we went away to Provence, France, and you know, their rosés are are bone dry and quite pale in color, and we kind of brought that back because. When I first got to Dirty Laundry, and, and even when I was in my previous job, rosés back then were quite dark in color, and they had too much residual sugar, and they were too much—they were too one-dimensional. Yeah. You know, they were fine for a patio to sip on, but if you tried to pair them with any foods, they were too, uh, too, yeah, too muchy. Too, too much. muchy. That's yeah. how we say it. So we really have <laughs> dialed back the sugar and the color, and, the, and make it more delicate, and, and that's sort of the style we've moved into since 2013. And I think as consumers tastes have changed in Canada to that style we've been following that trend, trend. so we were we we're riding the wave that's for sure oh well, well you guys for our listeners you you yeah. have to try this rosé like it is hush 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 very good it's because everything at dirty laundry stays hush hush ah. mm. okay so what's so if you come here the, you won't have been here no <laughs> it didn't happen it didn't happen um so other than obviously, you know, brand, you know, we love branding, we love marketing, uh, we talk about it all the time. You know, what else is really special about Dirty Laundry besides the obvious? Like, what makes this winery so special? I, I think it's there's a couple of things. We're not pretentious. We do make great wine. Mason makes great wine, and he's got some really eclectic ones that he's making as well. And we're doing some very special things for wine club and things like that that you, you don't necessarily see in the stores. But it's always been the the I think the tenet of, of what we do is that wine is fun. And when you come to Dirty Laundry, you know we don't want you to be intimidated by the wine. We want to be able to explain it simply. You get to sit out here on this amazing patio, amazing patio. and in a minute you're going to taste some of the best pizza that you'll have tasted. You so, uh, so it's for us, it's it's about keeping the wine serious but fun, but having the experience that you wouldn't want to forget. So. Yeah, that's what well said. You know, I'm just looking at your poster. Welcome to the Bordello Club, friends with benefits, <laughs> members only. 
Okay, <laughs> join the club and say big. So who doesn't want to be a member of this club? Want, yeah, you want to join the club. Oh my God. Well, I think we need to join the club, Linda. Yes. Okay, so just so okay. our listeners, so before we wrap up, just so our listeners know, what um, what what can we tell them? What, what's happening here this summer? Do you have um, any good promotions? Yeah, do any good promotions? Or things that we're going to try red. Yeah. Yes. We're well, going to try red. Uh, is that we, the one that we, was trying to talk to us before? Yeah. This, this is, we're going to do this one and then Bordello, right? Okay. Okay. So we're going to pour you the Kesera right now. Kesera, Syrah, whatever will be. I mean, you know, everybody must sing that when you say yeah, that. Like, yeah. Please. <laughs> this roadie has been rode. Yeah. Put that horse back in the barn. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, lo- I lost where you were. The question uh, you were what asking. What was the question? <laughs> uh, well, Promotions. What's yeah. happening this summer oh, yeah. that we can yeah. tell people to come out? Yeah, so we're promoting local. So we, we've we've had the cut down on some of our events. We we did uh, last year. We did Dirty Laundry After Dark, which was a concert series. We did. So people are week. missing concerts so yeah. much. So yeah. are you not having any concerts? We're, this year? we're right at this time. We don't have any. All of our concerts have been canceled at yeah. this point. But we have found that we can still do our lobster dinners. So we're going to do the little bit scaled back version of our lobster dinners, which okay. I think we're doing. We, we did 10 of them last year. I think we've got five scheduled for this year. Okay. So how do people find out? Yeah. On More importantly, website. how do we get in the reservation yeah. for that? <laughs> yes. So, well, on our website, there will be a link. You'll see our link to our lobster suppers. We're, uh, actually, the, the one thing that's a little different this year is we're, we're selling them in groups of six because we have to have six at a table yes. to, to fit Great. people in. Might as well. Yeah. So bring a friend. Bring, bring, bring friends. Bring friends. Yeah. They're really the highlight of the, uh, the season of lobster dinners. We have... Uh, rock Fortan, there's uh, Maple Rock here in Summerland, comes down, does a lobster boil right on the patio, uh, the salads, uh, Fun. and you know, and for those that don't like lobster, we still have pizza. Right. So there you go. We, okay. We have, we have the ability to, to have pizza. Someone still not like lobster I, that I know of. And, and, and the big thing we've done this year that's a little different is, you know, as, as everybody has to shift. You know, our wine shop hours used to be noon till six. Now we're staying open on the patio until eight p.m. And we're oh. finding that there's an awful lot of people that just love to come and sit with this view this that view you guys get to enjoy we will today. We put pictures up here. of our oh. of the view. Yeah, yeah. And, it's and, incredible. And eating pizza. So, yeah. So those are, those are I guess the biggest things we're doing this summer. We look forward to getting and you back do shipping to shipping from thing. here, of course. Absolutely. Yes. And like with with most people with uh, COVID, we've got some uh, online specials for for people that want to buy our wine. Uh, fixed or no shipping charges. Right on. So if you know you can't bring the wine or come to the winery, we bring the winery to yep. you. Perfect. So. Amazing. Okay, um, so tell us about this wine and then we'll ask you our last okay. question. So this is our Quesera. This is the 2018. Um, we talked about Viognier. So Viognier is a white grape and Paul yeah. was saying that that was one of his favorite bottles he's ever had. And Viognier is an interesting grape. So for a white grape, it actually has some really fine tannins. So the tannins are what you feel in your mouth as a texture. Um, sometimes it, like you think about cold tea, that's like sort of where tannins right. would feel like. Um, and Syrah um, in BC can, like Australian Shiraz, so Syrah and Shiraz is yep. the same grape, they can, they, can, they can drop tannins quite early. When we have these big heat spikes, we're getting into 35 degrees, the tannins will drop out quite quickly. So they go into these really jammy sort of characters. So with this wine, we do a co-ferment. So we take the Viognier skins, after we press them off, we just take the dry Viognier skins and we throw them in with the Syrah. Huh. 
So we're increasing the skin to juice ratio, and then we're gaining those fine tannins from the white skins of the Viognier. It also gives you a bit of that orange rind or, or orange blossom, gives you some complexity, um, but it really makes a bigger- Did you bigger... make this up, up in your dreams? No, no, or... so this is this is a known process. So okay. in, in, yeah, so in, 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 in the Rhone Valley in France, they would just have it as a field blend. They would have Viognier interplanted with Syrah, they would just bring it in all at once and oh. ferment it. Oh. And then the Australians got a hold of that and they said, okay, well, why does that work? And then they stood and started doing the science on it. And they started calling it. Then they put it on and the bottle and say Shiraz Viognier. Ah. And so it does a couple things. It adds that mid-palate structure. And it also actually stabilizes the red color in the wine. There's 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 these pigments called anthocyanins. Oh, it is, it is science. It, it, and and the, there's... There's binding this is, properties. This is sending less art and more science exactly. now. Exactly. There's binding properties in the white grapes that make the red color fixed. Okay, let's this, get to the good part. Grape. What should we eat with it? Well, this is a good, like, throw a steak at it. Yeah. Any kind of barbecued meat. You know, there's if you get your nose into it, one of the good characteristics of a BC Syrah, I find, is it always mm. has a lot of that pepper. When wow. I smell it, I almost get the, this, the sensation to sneeze. Yep, right. So you could throw a big peppery, you know, ribeye steak on the barbecue at this, and it'll hold up really nicely. Oh, our husband's would appreciate this yep. right now if you're in here. But they're not. They're not. Yes. <laughs> We're keeping that on yeah. the podcast. <laughs> okay. Okay, so last question. We are, we, you know, we're called the Alive Revolution. We talk about it all the time, about you know, that people years ago when Linda and I first started working together we talked we would ask people, you know, how are you doing? How are you doing? And what do you think the most common answer is to that question? Fine. 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 Yeah. Right? And so we got on a mission to say we to eradicate the F word. Not the other F word. That one we think is excellent. But the fine word is disgusting. We hate when people say yeah. we're fine. Because most people are not fine. But yeah, well either they're not fine or they're pretend, great. But they don't want to or they're pretending to be fine, which is even worse. Um, yeah, but we want you know we want people to yeah. feel alive. Right in their work, in their life, in the relationships—you know, juicy, like you know, like the wine. Wine. So, what makes you feel alive? What do you do for yourself? Just what it makes you feel alive. I think you know, travel, family, those sort of things. You know, family, probably the most part. You know, socializing. It's been like that's been a tough time of COVID. We actually had a friend of ours that we brought into the bubble the other day, and it was just the three my wife. That's how we and, talk now, right? Yeah. Into the, the bubble. bubble. So I hadn't had anybody over for any entertaining, and it was just the three of us, and we barbecued, and uh, and we just like we're like we haven't entertained in so long, and I did all the cooking because I usually do, and uh, everything turned out really well, and we're like oh boy, we really missed, missed this, this. And, and I love just that whole entertaining and, and you know friends, family, wine, that kind of thing. Friends, family, amen. wine. Yeah. Amen to that. That is yeah. That's been a real obvious one. For well, me. people are really missing the human connection, right? Which you know we're, we've been zooming and face timing and all the things but it's not like this like no. sitting here with you guys is so lovely it is lovely right just to see you face to face see you hear your story and be in with you be with you this is our 2017 bordello so bordello is our big flagship red okay um, okay <clears throat> uh, this vintage is a little bit different. We always used to be just a Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, Cab Franc, and Merlot. This has a little bit of Malbec in it as well. So it, it smooths it out a little bit more. Oh my god. Sorry, everybody. Lots the, of time to age. The pizza just got yeah, here. Here we go. Holy. 
Okay. So when you get your nose in this, this is a bigger wine. It's gonna have more tannin than the Syrah. Twenty seventeen. Um, but again, it's 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 a barbecue wine. Throw some. Oh, throw some. Back red to barbecue again. Yeah. Okay. Here's to the last. Cheers. Cheers. Thank well you done. for Cheers. this beautiful education. We will Cheers. put a picture of this pizza. I will. I'll get one. So there's a vegetarian. This is the veg. Question was Paul. You know what? What do you do so that you feel alive? Alive. Okay. Well, I'll I'll, I'll tell you my my experience over the last three months were very different than Mason's because I work remotely from the winery. So for the last three months I've been in a basement office with and being the director of sales in good times, yeah. working by yourself in a basement office is not fine. No. So, uh, this is my first trip to the winery since March. I left on March 11th. Wow. And now this is my first trip back to the winery since March 11th. Wow. So, so that's this, this is what's this makes you, know, you feel alive. Absolutely. The interaction, like you live your life on Zoom, you live your life on a conference call, uh, you don't get that personal interaction, you don't, you know, as you well know, communication is 85% nonverbal. True. And and you don't get you don't get those those visual clues on a, on a Zoom meeting really. You don't get them on a telephone call. So getting yeah. here to sit down with you guys and talk about well, this, this is great. this is uh, thank you for being so thank you for saying that because it has been challenging for a lot of people. Some people not, but a lot of people it certainly has. And lots of people have been pretending that they're fine. Never played in play. right? <laughs> so let's do one last cheers. Yes. Oh my God. We're just really, I mean, we're we're going to show you pictures of this. People, it's amazing. Oh, cheers. Okay. I just had a bite of the pizza. Cheers. Laundry. Here's your dirty laundry. Thank you very much for coming. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us at this spectacular, spectacular winery. Join us next week as we continue to travel across the Okanagan. This is Linda Edgecombe with Beth Hanushewski. Thanks for listening.